Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. I was watching the NFL Honor Show last night. Uh, anybody watch that show? Okay, some of it was hilariously funny. Some of it was really stupid. And, uh, but but I, I got all choked up watching it when I was watching Thomas Davis win the NFL Man of the Year. And I saw where he'd gone back to his hometown in a little bitty town here in Georgia. And he told the story of being a little boy and having to pull a drop cord to get power for a light in their home from a neighbor. And uh, he told the story about how um, on several Christmas mornings, his sister and he couldn't wait to get and see what Santa had brought them. And he said, on a lot of those mornings, we walked out and there was nothing there. And he said, I looked at my sister and I said, were we that bad? So now that he's making millions of dollars playing in the NFL, I find it refreshing that he's decided I'm giving back everything I can with a heart of gratitude for people that have invested in him. Today, I want us to tackle a subject that for some of you is going to be frustrating. Uh, for some of you, you're just going to radically disagree with me. Uh, for some of you, you're going to say, I knew it was about this. And these are the kind of sermons that get pastors fired. Uh, but I want to make sure that you hear my heart about this. Um, some of you are wondering, why am I hobbling? I had knee surgery earlier in the week. It's never a good sign when your surgeon comes out and tells your wife it looks like a meat grinder's been at work in your husband's left knee. And so uh, I'm hobbling around a little bit. Some of you are also wondering, why do you not have shoes on? That's a whole nother. See, that was so funny. Every head over there went. Uh, that's a long story. I'll tell you about that later on in, in our sermon today. My name's Chuck, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here at an amazing church. If you want to know about what's going on in the life of church, man, everything is here in this handout you receive. If not, uh, make sure you download our app and get uh, Sugar, the Sugar Hill Church app. It's available in Google Play or it's in the App Store. And as a matter of fact, if you open your app, you can follow my teaching notes, and all the scripture references are in there. And not only that, you can find the slides that follow along with me, and that assumes I stick to the notes. And uh, at 9.30, I didn't do a good job at that. So if I don't say what I wrote, that's what I meant. And so um, but please follow along with us. You'll also receive daily insights uh, each morning. Monday through Friday is a follow-up from the sermon. And uh, just when you wake up, it's there on your phone or your tablet. And I encourage you to use that and be a part of our services today. If you're a guest, there's a little guest info card around you. I'd love for you to just tell us that you were here. We won't come bug you, but love to know that uh, you were here with us today. If you want to know anything about our church, just say, tell me about, and we'll be happy to do so. A prayer request on the other side and every... Uh, Every week we have the honor of praying for people. Dozens and dozens and dozens of folks do that. And some of you are saying, Chuck, this service, is something's messed up. Because right now we're supposed to be doing the offering. Uh, the band's, you're supposed to come out, give the announcements, pray. The band's supposed to play. And at about the time the baskets get three quarters of the way back, eight people up here stand up. And all the rest of you look at everybody else like, am I supposed to stand or not? And then there's a wave of guilt that wafts across the room. And eventually people are sitting there thinking, I don't want to stand. They're like, oh, dear God, I've got to stand. They're standing. And so then eventually we all stand. I think that's such a cool phenomenon here. So Becca says, it's okay for you to sit down. And what did some of y'all do? It's just who we are, right? And so uh, welcome. Whatever your thing is, be that, all right? So like if you're, 
you're today, you want, you want to talk back to me, man, just knock yourself out because we're going to talk about a subject today that's near and dear to everybody's heart and uh, probably cuts a little close to a lot of us. All right, we're going to talk today about this one word, tithing. All right, now before you give up on me, I want you to hear me say this. How many of you grew up in a church where you heard not only that the tithe was holy unto the Lord, but that you were responsible to give 10% of your income to God? How many of you grew up hearing that? Okay, very good. Now, we all heard that, but I'd say 80% of the room raised their hand, but did you know that less than 3% of you do it? Okay, so let's kind of set aside what we've heard and say, okay, we've heard it, but we don't believe it. Okay, let's accept that because we know that that's a fact. Let's, let me take it one more step further. Uh, for those of you that do tithe, for those of you that think you should tithe, for, the, for those of you that believe that you're only tipping God if you don't go to 10%, let me stop and say to you, I want to take that burden off your shoulder today. I want to tell you that the goal for you is not to tithe. I want to tell you that 10% is not what I believe the Bible teaches about how we're to give, why we're to give, or what we're to give. As a matter of fact, I want to make sure that I, I do one thing that is hugely clear in the teachings of Jesus, all right? Now, remember, at this church, we believe the Bible's a big deal. We believe Jesus is the biggest deal, and the way we best identify and show that is by serving people in need here and around the world, right? That's, we get that. So we've got to believe then from Genesis to maps, this Bible is a big deal. Are you with me? But remember, why is it a big deal? It's not a big deal because it's the book. It's a big deal because of who wrote it. It's the word of God. God literally spoke these words into the hearts and the minds of men who penned these words, and they give us meaning, direction, purpose. And as you've heard me say before, if we understand the context in which it was written, we can understand the context in which we're to read it. And so when we go back, let's, let's understand what the prophet Malachi says about tithing. And this is a big, big deal. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to, to Malachi, but most of you have memorized that book, I'm sure, so don't worry about it. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, here's what it says. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. I find that a great statement. The whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that, we may, that, we, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test. This is what God says. Put me the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. All right, now, it's pretty clear here that the prophet Malachi is speaking to the people of Israel. Now, remember, this is the people of Israel who have been freed from bondage, gone through all of the plagues, walked through the, to the, to the dry Red Sea. They've, they've done the whole thing, right? I mean, they've seen locusts, they've seen serpents, they've, they've seen it all right? They, they were hungry. God gave them manna. They were thirsty. God gave them water. I mean, these people had seen it all, done it all, and still they're the ones that are robbing God. Now, here's what happens. There's three parts of this teaching today that I want to make sure that we all get. Number one, what do we, what is it, what does God require of us? 
What does God require of us? So here's what I've learned. Most of the time, we take whatever we've learned over the course of whatever our church history was, and we have this collective wisdom that most of us really haven't tried to dig and figure out what does God really require of us. So we assume whatever some other dude says, that's what I'm required to do. Or I see somebody that I think is successful, so I treat my Christianity like the NFL and I'm a copycat league. Right? So let's, number one, let's answer what's required of us. Number two, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to that requirement? And number three, then what is the big deal? Why should this be an issue? Can't I just come to church and nobody talk about money? I'm just so sick of talking about money. I'm with you. But see, when Jesus talks about money, he's not talking about money. As a matter of fact, here's what I'd say to you, all right? If you're one of those people that's giving 10%, but you are angry about it and you pay it like you do a cable bill, stop. If you're giving... And, and you're angry, and you're treating your gift to God like you're mad because you got to pay Comcast the cable bill, stop. God doesn't need your rotten attitude. He doesn't need your rotten heart. And more importantly, he doesn't need your money. And they say, well, Chuck, this place will go broke. No, it won't. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that if we'll go on the offensive, not the defensive, we, we will storm the gates of hell, and it will not keep us from what he's called us to do. The challenge is, are we going to act like a church, or are we going to act like Comcast? Are, are, are we the phone bill, or, 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 do, or what, what is required of us? Now, according to Malachi, here's what he says. you got to give. Now, here's what I want you to know. He's speaking to people who are living under what we know as Mosaic Law. All right? There were 611 rules imparted upon these people. Minimum 611, probably more. 611 that, that I can find. 611 rules. Think about that. All right? I can't even remember when to leave the lid up or down. They've got 611 rules. Who does that? Religious people. That's who does that. Because if they're going to think like me, they got to act like me. If they're going to act like me, they got to talk like me. And if they talk like me, they got to dress like me. And if I can get everybody to think like me, act like me, talk like me, dress like me, and we can all be alike, then we'll know we're following the rules. And God comes and messes up that whole plan. He says, tithing is the law. In the Old Testament, we got all those rules. We got the law, right? We're kind of shackled to it. We're, we're in bondage to it. We're slaves to the law to a law we cannot uphold. We cannot keep 611 rules, right? I mean, can any of you keep up? I mean, listen, you've got rules in your house and you can't keep them. 611 rules. Rusty, I know for a fact you've broken all of them. 611 rules, who really does that? So God comes along and says, but I love y'all. And I want to take those 611 rules, I want to take them off of your shoulders, I want to take that guilt and pull it off of your back, I want to free you from the bondage of slavery to the law, and I want to invite you to my dinner table where you now can sit at the head table and eat with kinfolk the good stuff. For you are no longer slaves to the law. You see, God said, I'm going to send my son, Jesus, and I'm going to allow him to die, shed his blood, give his life to free you from the bondage of sin, of death, 
and law. And then he goes on and says, and I'm going to fulfill that law. Jesus doesn't do away with it. He fulfills it. He completes it. You see, the Old Testament is reliable. It's trustworthy. It gives us direction. But the New Testament without Jesus doesn't give us closure. Jesus brings the final chapter and says, you don't have to keep six 111 rules. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't be under the law of man. You should now be under the rule, the love, the grace, and the mercy of Jesus. So Jesus dies, raises from the dead, conquers sin, conquers death, and literally allows us to escape having to live under the law. Because see, what happens to us is when we live under the law, then if we made $21,500 last year, then we have to give $2,150. And if we don't, God doesn't bless us. Let me just free you of that. That is not what the New Testament teaches. All right? Listen, I want to tell you, this is all about everything Jesus teaches. Money, drinking, sex, marriage, I don't care. You pick the topic, Jesus is about your heart. All right? So you see, this isn't about it. This isn't accounting. This isn't about your checkbook. This isn't about whether you make it or you lose it. This isn't about, oh man, it's been a bad year. It's about your heart. See, here's what I know. Somewhere around 90% of you will come to this church week after week after week, and you don't give jack. 90% of you give nothing to God. Okay, let me stop. I want to pull that guilt off of you for a minute, okay? I'm not going to show you pictures of skinny babies. I'm not going to show you huts in Cuba. I'm not going to make you, listen, I just want you to get this picture. Here's what Jesus does for you. Some of you are saying, man, I've never given, and all, all of a sudden I feel this guilt. Stop. It's not about guilt. Listen, Jesus came to free you of that mess. Right? He wants you to live in these rhythms of grace that, that he says, I, can, I want you to wipe away the past and I want you to hold on to me for the present so that you can have hope for the future. By the way, that is tweetable right there. I could say it again to save my life. It's not my notes. But listen to me, friends. Stop living under guilt. Stop living. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He said, listen, man, all those rules, including tithing, let me take that away from you. But I can promise you this. Scripture comes back and gives us an unbelievable picture. I mean, listen, he tells us three things, though, in Malachi. The curse that he mentions, the tithe was a minimum, and the place we give is a storehouse. That's what we know. So what do we know? We know that, we know that the tithe was the minimum. People felt like, well, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I, so I got 10 sheep. So I got to give them, I got to give, I, I give them, a, I got to give them a sheep. I, got, I, I mean, I got two camels. I'm in trouble. Are you with me? Can you see how the law can just mess up everything? I mean, seriously. I mean, isn't it weird? If, if that was still the law, wouldn't we have everything in even numbers? Yeah, just, it just doesn't work that way, does it? I mean, I've, I've got at least a fourth of a daughter I'd give you, you know? But, but, but listen to me. God comes along and says... I, I want to clearly command you in this thing. And God says, if you'll return to me, I'll return to you. If you'll give to me, I'll bless you. As a matter of fact, he says, I'll bless you if you don't have any more need. It's the only time in Scripture where God says, test me. Go ahead, put me to the test. So, so we move from the Old Testament. We move to the New Testament. And we ask the question then, 
So is 10% our mark for success in being obedient to God? Is that, is, that our, is that our measure of standard? Well, look at Romans chapter 7, verse 4. You'll see it on the screens. You can see it on the app. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. In other words, watch this. I was, I was under the law. Now Christ came. He's given me a new life. I've trusted him with my life because he shed his blood. He gave his life for me. I've accepted him as the Lord and the boss of my life. As a result, he has control of my finances, my heart, and in every way. So I'm dead to the law. That's behind me. It's washed behind me. And watch what happens. And then because of the one that is raised from the dead, Jesus, in order that we may bear fruit to God. Now, here's what I know. I don't know what any one of you give. I don't, I don't know what amount you give. I've told Craig, I don't want to know those things. Because I promise you, I know me, I'd treat you differently, all right? Like if I, knew you gave, if I knew you gave 50 grand last week, I would be wanting dinner with you this week. Wouldn't you? Yeah, so, so it's best I don't know those things, but I do know this, I do know if you give. I don't know what you give, but I do know if you give, all right? But you know how I know it? I don't have to ask Craig to pull a report. I know it based on the fruit that, that comes to your life. Every one of us leaves a wake behind us. Some of us leave a wake of death and destruction, and some of us leave a wake of good fruit. And I promise you, most of us are leaving a wake of death and destruction. You know what he says here? You do your part. God will allow you to be a part of his plan, and you'll leave good fruit. Have you ever, have you ever bitten into something, and when you tasted it, it was just like, have you ever done that? Okay, I have too. What he's saying is, when people come behind you, man, it's good. Some of you, you're not leaving that wake. I don't have to look at giving records. I can see. I've never seen anybody that had the overflow of generosity in their heart. I've never seen anybody come behind them and say, I hate their guts they gave. I've never seen anybody say, man, what a jerk. Did you say, I gave. What an idiot. I've never seen that happen in my life. Paul, you say, well, I, I need a little help then. Check out. I, don't, I don't get it yet. Galatians 2.19. For though the law... For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Paul again says, listen, be dead to the law. Why? So you can live for God. So here's what he's saying. You ought to give, you ought to serve, you ought to love out of the abundance of your heart. So when you don't give, here's what's happening. It's not because you're a cheapskate. You don't give because you're not full of Jesus. And what he's saying is when you live for God, when you love God, when you allow him to take hold of your heart, then then giving is an easy thing. It's not about 10%. It's not about 2%. It's not about 5%. It's not about 20%. It has nothing to do with percent. What it has to do is your heart. When God says, listen, I, I want your heart, it's not because he wants your money. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart so you can serve him. And he says, this is what ought to happen so, you can, so that you might live to God. You say, well, Chuck, I, I'm not there yet. Ephesians 2.15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he may create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace, peace between Jews and those new followers of Jesus that didn't know the laws. So what he's saying is there, there were Jews who knew all the laws and they said, hey, I want this Jesus thing. I'm going to take that yoke. I'd rather have two rules and 611. I can do that. That's light. That's easy. Now he's saying, what about these other cats that aren't Jewish? And they come in. They need, to, they need to do my rules. And just said, no, no, no. It's, not, it's the same for everybody. So if you're here and you make a half million a year or you're here and you make five grand a year, he's saying it's all the same deal. And I, some of you are saying, Chuck, you don't know how tight my finances are. I, I bet I do. Yeah, I, I bet I do. When I punched in my gift through, uh, th through our app earlier today, 
Literally, my prayer is, God, I, I need you to hold a couple checks till Friday. And some of you can say, well, man, you, you know what, Chuck, you need to be a better money manager. You know what I say? You need to let God do a little more managing in your heart. Because, see, I, Jesus is saying, this isn't a rule I need you to follow. This is an obligation. This is not a bill I'm asking you to pay. This is a love I'm wanting to express. I, I, want, I want you to allow me to do this. Say, well, Chuck, I still don't get it. All right, try this one on for size, Romans 6.15. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? He says, of course not. What he's actually saying is the grace that Jesus extended to us by giving us a life we didn't deserve, by giving us forgiveness we didn't deserve, by giving us heaven that we didn't deserve, that grace doesn't allow us to do less. It demands more. But we don't do more because we have to. We do more because we love to. You know what Scripture says? He loved, God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, God's not looking for you to bring him a gift and say, okay, here's the bill. Fine, whatever. Here's my 10%. I did my part. Really, I think God looks at you and says, listen, keep your stinking money. You say, well, Chuck, listen. It takes about 50 grand a week to run this place. Yeah, that's right. But it's not about this place. It's about your heart. You see, my job's not to meet the budget. My job is to introduce you to having peace in your heart through, through a relationship with Christ that allows you and God to be at peace so that you enjoy the two greatest commodities known to man, peace and time. Proverbs 3.1 says, Remember my teaching, keep my commandments, and length of days and years of life will be added to you. Peace. Listen, you don't have that without Christ. He says, since God's grace has set us free, we, we sit at the big boy table and we get to eat with God. We're called to live under what is pleasing to Christ. Paul describes twice in his teaching the law of Christ. Galatians 6.2, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. We're not set adrift without instruction. It's not willy-nilly, do whatever you want to do. I mean, literally what we say is share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So what is he saying? Give. But what he's saying is don't put a ceiling of 10% on it or 20% on it or 2% on it. He's also saying, he's giving you this picture. Listen, you ought to want to do this. You ought to want to give. There's a, there's a picture you see that, that Paul addresses in this Waterford crystal clear way. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> but now I want, I want to introduce you to something. There was a guy by the name of R.G. Letourneau. Uh, my, my dad's favorite place on the earth was a little lake up in Tacoa, Georgia called Lake Louise. And uh, about a mile from that lake, we would pass R.G. Letourneau's original buildings. He was the first guy that really created what we now know as earth-moving equipment, large tractors that would move dirt. And he made millions and millions and millions. A very wealthy guy. They came to find out in the latter part of his life, he gave 90% of his income away. 90%. He just flipped it. Gave away 90%. When they interviewed him, they asked the question, well, well Mr. Letourneau, uh, why? And he said, listen, all I do is shovel it out. And all God does is shovel it back. The good news is God's got a bigger shovel. 
pretty cool, huh? It's like a little boy who goes with his mom into the store, and, and, and the storekeeper takes a jar of, of suckers, lollipops, and holds it down. And he tells the little boy, you grab a handful. And the boy said, oh, no, sir. Mom looks puzzled, like, man, this kid loves suckers. What in the deal? No, I, so by the time the storekeeper reaches his hand and grabs a big handful and hands it to the boy, on the way out, mom looks at the kid and says, you're never shy. What's up with that? He said, mom, his hands are bigger than mine. <laughs> Listen to me, guys. At some point, you, you got to stop believing about God. You got to stop believing in God. You just got to believe God. Because, see, here's what he said. He said, if you'll do X, I'll do Y, and we'll be Z. Are you ready? If you'll give, I'll bless you, and we'll live in peace together. I mean, don't you see that? I mean, he made, he, one time in Scripture, here's what he says. Y'all have abandoned me. You've, you've left me. He could have been talking to this generation today. He could have been standing right here talking to us. You've left me. You've abandoned me. You're even robbing me of my tithes and my offerings. But then he says, but if you return to me, here I am, I return to you. And if you'll give, he says, I'll wipe away the past and I'll pour my best out on you. So here's the deal. Ready? I told you we'd finish with the deal. He said, try me on this. Test me on this. It's the only time Jesus said do it. So here's what I want to say to you, okay? If you've already checked out on me, come back right here, okay? Just look right here. Put your phones down. Put your pens down. Stop worrying about lunch for just a minute. Look right here, all right? Listen. If you don't give anything to this church, if you don't give anything to God, I'm asking you in the month of February to give something. Buck, five bucks, 20 bucks, I don't, whatever that is. Whatever God tells you. Remember what Paul wrote. Whatever God tells you in your heart, you give. You be at peace with God with that, all right? That's, that's not my deal. It's not a 10% deal. It's not a rule. I'm not saying if you don't do it, there's a curse on your house or some foolish thing like that. But what I'm telling you is, I believe I've made a case today that God would say, out of the abundance of your heart, under a new covenant of grace, where Jesus came to give you life more abundantly, give. And let that be a reflection of what Jesus is doing in your heart, what he has done, and what he will do. If you haven't given anything, give something. If you're one of those folks that throws a 20 in the, in the basket every now and then, I'm saying, man, double it up and give what you're supposed to do. If you're already doing a 10 percenter, good for you. Man, ask God, is that what I'm supposed to do or more? And I'm asking you to give. Today's February 1st. If by February 28th, any one of you who give during this month would say, I did my part and God did not do his, on March 1, we'll write you a check for every dime you gave in this month. Did you hear me? You give. Do it on the app. Do it online. Do it through a check so we can know that you did what you did. But listen to me. If you don't think God does his part at the end of this month, this church will write you a check back for every dime you gave. 100% money back, guaranteed. You say, Chuck, I, the church can't do that. This isn't about the church. I believe God. I believe him with every ounce of my being. I believe him. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.